0: Please be aware that this episode may contain some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Pink Triangle Podcast, a new five-episode series brought to you by Pink Saltire, an LGBT plus charity in Scotland. Throughout this series, we'll be hearing the stories of many LGBT folk from across the country, including those who have moved to Scotland from elsewhere around the world. This podcast has been supported with funding from the Year of Stories 2022 Community Stories Fund, which is being delivered in partnership between Visit Scotland and Museums Galleries Scotland, with support from the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Welcome back. I'm your host Rachel and this week I spoke with Dana, a student from Spain who now lives in Inverness. My name is Dana. I go by David Planos
1: and I'm a non-binary person who identifies as bisexual. Because I never understood the thing of caring about the gender. I am from Spain, especially uh, I'm from uh, Galicia. That is one of the autonomous in the north. So, no, it's not sunny. In fact, it's quite similar to Scotland. (laughs) And I grew up in a tiny town there. Well, it's a bit weird because it's called Padrón, my town. And it's in that point between town and city that is not small enough to be a town. And it's not big enough to be a city. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a really beautiful place. And Well, right now I'm living here in Scotland. I'm loving every
0: second of it. (laughs) Dana was a teenager when they found out that they felt differently about their identity. They tried some different ways of expressing themselves and working out how they felt. Moving to Scotland and starting university really helped them to find themselves.
1: Around 15, uh, when I was 15 years old, is when I started to realise that I was not like all the girls, you know, that famous face young girls go through. To be fair, I was kind of right. I cannot be like all the girls when I'm not a girl. So I'm giving myself a point there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But yeah, I definitely started to feel uh, something was not like normal quotes with a lot of quotes uh, about myself in that sense. In fact, I went through this phase uh, where I tried to dress up as a boy, you know, hiding my hair uh, in a hat with really big clothes, like oh, maybe like this, I will look like a boy and people will be confused about my gender. and. But yeah, at the moment, I thought nothing about that. For me, it was like, oh, yeah, completely normal behavior for a cisgender person. But to be honest, it was not uh, till last year when I came out and I realized what was going on. Last year, I moved here to Scotland for the first time to start college. So it was an amazing experience. But at the same time, it was kind of terrifying uh, because for the first time in my life, I had no expectations from coming from anyone else, there was no adults telling me what to do, because I was adults now.
0: When Dana's cousin came out as a trans woman, Dana took the opportunity to learn more about trans rights and identities. And through this, they began to learn more about being non-binary.
1: Well, shortly after, uh, before uh, my cousin came out as a trans woman, so I was you know still confused about what I was looking for here what I wanted to do with my life I was like okay step by step now I'm going to put these things aside and focus a little more about the trans community to be a good ally for my cousin mm. and then I started reading about it I was like okay good good non-binary what's that makes no sense then I started to read a bit more about that I was like oh it makes a bit of sense uh, but yeah, it was definitely so interesting, you know, reading about the non-binary label, learn a, a more about the concept of gender, because, well, right now I'm studying a double degree of archaeology and sociology, so I can also access to a lot of information about social constructs and other, so maybe my experience is not the most common one, because it has this academic, you yeah. know, style, um, a bit too nerdy, if you ask me, but it's okay. <laughs>
0: Dana explained that they were in denial at first when finding out that they were non-binary. They felt that they were losing a part of themselves.
1: So, yeah, uh, basically when I came out, it was after reading like a lot of uh, papers and essays and articles about that because I was a bit in denial, you know. Mm. Um, one of the very few things that were like completely showing sure in my life was that I was a woman. So discovering I was not one, it was like, oh. Like good for me because I know more about myself, but I seem like I'm losing a great part of my existence here. Mm. So it was a bit uh, confusing at first. Uh, I was scared to be honest. I don't like to make anyway, weight. was something is scary for me, but I'll be honest. It was a bit scary. Um, but I think that's okay. It's part of discovering yourself, and sometimes it won't
0: be something that you expect. Mm. Dana then spoke about their bisexual identity and how they came to explore that. They explained that they didn't know much about different sexual identities when they were growing up.
1: For me it was like natural to uh, be bisexual. Uh, of course when I was little I, I didn't knew it has a name because my parents never, never truly talked to me about the queer community so uh, they are allies. But since it's not part of them, they never truly talk about that. So they never talk about things, but they never talk good things either. So it was like something there that I didn't know quite about. And I heard the news one day that uh, there was like, gay, hey, lesbians and trans manifesting for the rights in Spain. I was like, what's that? I think I was 11 years old when that uh, showed up in the news. When I was 12, I started to read a bit about the uh, queer community and I choose my la- my label uh, as of bisexual when I was 14 years old. Hmm. And As bisexual, I never truly came out to my family because, well, I did tell my parents, but it was more in a casual conversation. It was something related to the thing it was like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, because I'm bi, yeah. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And that's it. I don't think coming out should be such a big deal, especially when it's about sexual orientation. Uh, because I don't think others should care that much about <laughs> can you feel attracted to or fell in love with. Definitely. That's what my parents told me. Like, thank you so much for telling me, but it's not our problem uh, who you have relationships with as long as you're happy.
0: It was a little bit harder for Dana to come out as non-binary to her family. She wasn't entirely sure at first how to come out as non-binary. And her parents found it a little difficult to adjust to at first.
1: Then, as non-binary, coming out as non-binary, it was a bit more complicated. I feel bad for admitting this, but I'm a bit jealous of my cousin. Mm. Uh, she doesn't have an easy time either. Some members of our family doesn't accept uh, her identity. They still call her by her dead name, or you see, he friends. You know, it's like two family members of the quite big family we have. You know, but. It's still that detail, is a really ugly one. But still, everyone else was like accepting her, helping her to get the, the hormones treatment. She's uh, been more than two years already. I think she can oh, get wow. the papers changed now. <gasps> I'm so happy to see her being here to herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my parents were so supportive with her too. So I decided, well, so it could be cool to came out to them. So since I didn't really come out as bi, I was like, well, how do you come out to someone? Because (laughs) I have no idea. So I just kind of told them, well, so I want to tell you about this. Uh, I'm not a girl. I'm not a woman. Um, There's this thing called non-binary. I'm this thing called non-binary. And I would appreciate if you could use they them with me sometimes because I'm cool with she-her. In fact, I go by they-she. But I heavily prefer they them. And in Spanish, it's a bit more difficult to use it. So, of course, I wanted my parents, the people I talked to the most, to use them. My father, he just sits there, completely quiet, looking at the table. And my mother's first reaction was no. Literally, <sighs> she said no. I was like, ah, okay, good. Uh, who wants dessert? But yeah, it was a really interesting moment. We talk about that later. I, even in the moment, I knew it did not came from a. A bad intention, you know. Um, mm. It was like a bit shocking because I get that it's something new for many people. Definitely. And at first, it was a bit shocking for them to receive the that news, and for me to see the reaction. So it was like, "We, where, what are we supposed to do now?" So yeah, at first it was a bit complicated for me. In fact, I did not came out either to any of my friends till like months later because I was still so scared of them reacting like my parents.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's one of those things that it's just, just a detail, to be honest, you know, it's not that important, but it's something that can affect you sometimes. Luckily, right now, my parents understood that, you know, and they used their pronouns with me always.
0: Dana explained how Spanish is a very gendered language and the way in which their parents had to find new neutral ways to refer to them in the Spanish language.
1: In Spanish, a bit more difficult because it's a really gendered language. Usually, when you use someone's pronouns, it's mainly remember to apply the gender of that pronouns to the adjectives. Mm-hmm. And in Spanish, we basically have to came out with it because there was no neutral. What we did in Spanish is choose the uh, feminine pronouns and adjectives. In uh, She, her would be ella. Hmm. And so they, them would be ella. So when you say she's pretty, ella is guapa. If you want to say they're pretty, it could be ages So <laughs> at first it was like, okay, I get that you're non-binary, but it sounds pretty ugly, you know? Like, I was like, of course it sounds ugly, it's new to you, but try to use it, then you find it more normal. And that's it, it's like with pronouns you know? Of course, at first can be sound a bit weird, but once you use them, it's part of your normal vocabulary too
0: we spoke together about the different challenges faced by binary trans people and non-binary trans people. Dana explained that for her cousin, it was easier to be accepted as a trans woman than it can be for non-binary people.
1: The amount of transphobia see against trans, even binary people is dreadful. I know my cousin also suffers a lot. There's some people, um, for many reasons, I'm not saying her name here, uh, but some old classmates, uh, Send many things to her, Mm. so it's not easy at all. And especially trans women, the amount of transmutinia is amazing. Mm. (laughs) I I feel like completely disgusted for the normalized for how normalized it is. Yeah. But you know, when it's in a safe space, it is a bit easier to came out not because people will accept you more because if they're transphobic, they're transphobic and that's it. Mm, mm. But it's easier because also it's this idea of binaries. Like, okay, so trans woman. Okay, so share. Well, okay, I think I can do that. But sometimes when you look, Kaimala as non-binary, like a oh, binary. They, them. What the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm jealous in the sense uh, that in safe space, like uh, an accepting family, it is a bit easier for them to get used. For example, mm-hmm. I haven't came out to my family as non-binary because um, many of them are quite old, so they can get the idea of a woman, but they I don't think they will get the idea of a non-binary. But yeah, again, uh, I don't want it to make sound like I think binary trans people have it more easy because definitely they don't, especially mm-hmm. when they're the face of the trans community in many senses, especially women. But within accepting space, it will be easier for them to not get gender and that's already a first step. It would be lovely if we all could be safe, just coming out to be ourselves. But sadly, that's not the case, and we need to improve a lot of things yet. But <laughs> oh, yeah, in my case, uh, yeah, when I say what well, I'm a bit jealous of first because of those both reasons, like uh, family accepting who she is, because they won't accept who I am, her being able of having some of the trans binary pe- bears, uh, people. You know who they are in the legal documents that's mm. something i won't ever have because yeah. let's be honest we, we need a lot more of years and activism to get to that point and mm. well right now i can have the mix in as a title in some papers so i'm getting that i guess yeah. there's a lot of things we need to improve
0: as Dana is currently studying around gender, they were able to speak very knowledgeably about the long history of non-binary people and non-binary systems throughout different cultures.
1: In fact, the idea of only be two genders is quite recent and European, mm. as the whole point, and we tend to forget about that because uh, we still hear Europeans, and we tend to forget that in other places it was completely different. Uh, you can, If you look at, uh, for example, Native Americans, uh, they have, uh, I think it was a 30. If anyone's listening to this and they're like, uh, wrong, I'm so sorry, but I'm just talking, trying to remember things. I haven't finished even my coffee this morning. I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm disrespecting anyone. <laughs> but I know I can think of three cultures that have a non binary system of gender. It's just looking a bit, uh, you know trying to really learn about things and you will find a lot of
0: answers. Dana's knowledge on the subject of gender has encouraged them to want to become a writer in the hopes that they can bring more representation to children in the future.
1: Well, when I'm studying at a double degree of archaeology and sociology, so I thought many times about maybe trying to study the concept of gender in different cultures and societies through history because it's quite different and there are many uh, examples of, non-binary gender systems not exactly non-binary people but yeah like their gender with many genders and that's something I think we should study and will help people to understand non-binary people but to be honest I think I'm going to try and become a writer It's a bit silly, but I love maybe to study a bit of literature or even without just studying it and use my knowledge, write mm-hmm. the kind of books my younger self would enjoy and help little kids to find representation that they don't have yet.
0: I asked Dana how they felt about the inaccurate perception some people have of non-binary being a third gender and the idea that non-binary equals androgyny. They had a lot to say on gender presentation within the trans community.
1: I'm ready for this, okay. Oh, perfect. Uh, I'm so sick of that because, mm. um, especially now that I've been studying the gender yeah, and the, uh, the uh, socialization, social constructs as both, members of the queer community, watching or seeing other people talking about their experiences and studying itself as a proper degree, it's just straight up stupid uh, because it makes no sense. When you're trying non-binary people as a third gender, first of all, you're erasing completely the point of being non-binary because first of all, non-binary is a whole other spectrum. You have gender fluid people, you have non-binary people by itself, uh, you have demigender, you have a lot of genders in there and start acting like if you want to be non-binary, you need to be androgynous. We're going from a binary system to a trinary system, and that's completely what we're not looking for. It's about learning that you don't need to look certain ways to be a boy, and you don't need to look certain ways to be a valid non-binary person. Mm -hmm. This idea of uh, androgynous, of you need to look androgynous, uh, I think there's two main reasons. Uh, we think uh, cisgender people is especially because they're trying to make it make sense and accepting it, but with their own ideals still, so if a boy has to be masculine and a girl has to be feminine, so you're non-binary, you're neutral, so you have to be androgynous, and that's not how it works. Then members of the queer community, especially of the trans community, they'll think that way. I think it's usually because it's so normalised the mm-hmm. fact of hating your body and yourself. If you look at the rage, it's so easy to see a trans person with some kind of, not only gender dysphoria, but body dysmorphia and some kind of uh, eating disorder. And it's so common because usually when you have gender dysphoria, it's so easy to develop any of those other problems with your b- body appearance. I think the people of the trans community that fully believe so you need to be androgynous or you're not valid, is mm-hmm. kind of this self-hate that we've been taught. Because trans people are taught by society, like their bodies. Because there's this expression of uh, there's nothing society fears more than a confident woman. I made to add, there's one fear that they fear more than a confident woman and it is a trans person comfortable in their own skin. It's also like this idea that trans uh, trans boys need to be fully masculine and if you want to, amazing go for it going hormones if you want to go through a certain surgery if you're a uh, trans woman and want to uh, you know go the surgery the hormones go for it i hope you get it i hope you have a system supporting you but if you don't want it you don't have because i think it's important for us trans people to learn to be comfortable in our own skin and love our bodies because society is trying to teach us, like, it's okay to be you, but at least be
0: ashamed of it, and we need to change that. Dana has found Scotland different from living in Spain. They have found it more natural to talk about pronouns and gender identity in Scotland, However, they feel that Spain is more accepting of different sexual identities.
1: First of all, I've realized it's more common to ask about Prana. Way more common. Back in Spain, they see me like, and they're like, hey, she haired girly girl, how are you, lady? <laughs> but here they're like, of course, people still assume I'm a girl because, uh, well, uh, I was a female at birth. I never tried to hide that or deny that. Uh, I present in a really feminine way because... Uh, I feel handsome this way, but it's more common to be like, hey, hi, how are you? Yeah, by the way, what are your plans? Can I ask? I don't know. Because, for example, in a few parties I've been to, you know, it was more common to be talking to someone, usually uh, another girl or another non-binary person I discover later, and they're like, oh, my parents are she there or my parents are she here? What are your plans? Uh, it's more natural in that sense. Um, I find more queer people here, especially bisexuals, Mm. Uh, But I think that's mainly because of the college ambience. Brandon's uh, gender identity is a bit more flexible here. So people, even within all the problems that you can find here for people accepting it, especially in a more professional or daily basis, you know, Mm. it is a bit easier, you know, to let this light naturally your gender identity or Brandon's. Because again, back home, we are Mm. achieving great things. It's been was if I'm not from the third country worldwide in, uh, legalizing sex marriage. So I'd say for gender identity is better here. For sexual orientation maybe it's better in Spain. I don't know how to explain it but those are the those are actual proofs are the vibes from my own experience because of course my experience is not everyone's. Uh, but that's what I've seen, yeah, definitely.
0: Dana explained how there is some prejudice directed towards non-binary people, particularly non-binary people who are assigned male at birth. They express the frustration they feel that non-binary is often seen as another type of girl.
1: First of all, I'm really upset that how non-binary people get to be treated. Um, It doesn't matter the country in this sense. Many people think non-binary people are basically girls uncomfortable with their gender. Because I see, I saw the AMAP people, uh, sign male at birth, when they're non-binary, they treat it differently. Mm. It's like, okay, you're non-binary, but you cannot be a lesbian, for example. You cannot be non-binary because you look too masculine. Mm. Or when you uh, say same female at birth, it's like, okay, but like, are you going to be there or are you going to... You know, there's always this stigma going around. And yeah, they for some reason, they think it's mainly people assigned female at birth. And they think like being non-binary is a second type of girl. Of course, there's uh, many other people supporting us. So it's truly amazing. And uh, mainly the bisexual from the, uh, the Suffolk community in general is more accepting in that sense. But yeah, I saw, for example, many of my best friends are. Uh, non-binary too, but they're saying male at birth. <gasps> um, and They treated, they are treated differently just because mm. they are assigned male at birth. Yeah. And I'm like, but if you support me, why don't you support them? I see that people still worrying so much about the gender assigned at birth that is completely stupid at this point. Mm. It makes
0: no sense. It's, it's a fetish at this point. Dana feels that the LGBT plus community is very accepting and that people are willing to learn about different identities in order to understand them. However, there are still some barriers that need to be overcome.
1: I think the the LGBT community is one of the best spaces I could find. It's uh, in general really accepting. And even if you're part of, a, for example, like I try to learn more about asexual experience to be able to support them. I see people from, with all the labels trying to understand uh, the point of view of non-binary and bisexuals, uh, but mainly yeah. non-binary people, and learn about us and birth. But I see that that's the problem. Since they see mainly a more feminine people and sign female at birth people identifying as non-binary, I think they misunderstood what we are and who we are. Mm. And I think that's a big problem because I'm tired of seeing my, <laughs> you know, my other people that are seeing their experiences or identify as non-binary and not being able to be themselves because they're assigned male at birth or they don't want to look androgynous or they don't want to use data them pronouns.
0: In terms of what can be done next, Dana talked about how she wished that non-binary people could be legally recognized in order for there to be more acceptance from society. They also spoke about how more neutral language could benefit men and women as well as non-binary people.
1: Uh, first of all, I'd like to see us uh, having the option of putting our gender in legal uh, papers or, you know, uh, legal, legal identification, like the IDs or the passports. Um, because I think of nobody's male or female because of their sex and, you know, for uh, medical reasons. Well, my doctor needs to know that. Know the guy that is telling me if I can come back home or not. You know, like he doesn't need to know what I have down there. You know what I mean? (laughs) I prefer if he doesn't know, to be honest. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, I think the first step would be like giving uh, non-binary people to the opportunity of put their gender uh, in legal papers. Because that, that's the thing. I think many people do not accept us because it doesn't think it's something real because it's not something legal. Um, it's really sad, but uh, even if we don't like to accept it, I think the entire LGBTQ plus community is still a political movement. But we because we still have to fight for our rights and in many cases, really basic human rights, like being yeah. recognized and being accepted that we exist. Yeah. So I think that would be the first step. Uh, another thing would be start uh, normalizing more neutral uh, vocabulary, um, not only for non-binary people, I think that's really good for uh, everyone else. For example, it's proof that when you have a more neutral language, Um, instead of uh, the standard masculine one, because let's be honest, that's what it is right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, just stop seeing men as the norm. So it could be positive also for the binary genders, to use a neutral language, because women could be stopped to see as secondary people in the society, which is really important because they're still treated really badly. And men could learn to empathize, you know, via empaths. And see all those perspectives because sometimes, even when they're trying their best to deconstruct themselves, they cannot fully do it because they, they've been told since they were kids that they're the norm and they're the standard.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so, yeah, I think mainly those two things um, trying to use a more neutral language for the sake of everyone, not only non binary people, and also give us the opportunity of have a, a legal paper saying, hey, I'm real, I'm here, I'm here, stay here, thank you.
0: I asked Dana how they felt about the difficulty in being visible when you are a non-binary person and the fear that people will automatically try and fit you into a binary category. They explained that they had felt that same worry in the past, but that for them, being non-binary is about being yourself and it is not about how other people perceive you.
1: partially I think it's okay uh, because I'm not trying to say we need to change that right now because social changes take years but that thing of being hidden uh, unless you you know have a ping or something is something that I felt that way too because you know I felt the necessity of having my pronouncing a ping or you know wearing something that makes me look non-binary i don't even know what that means but i was like yes. okay how do i look non-binary you cannot look non-binary being non-binary is being outside of the gender norms It being not have no ro- gender roles it's being yourself is understand that it doesn't have to be man or woman but yeah the thing of being hiding i think partially is a problem but partially is uh What it is to be non binary, you know, is be yourself outside of the gender roles and gender identity that is in the binary system. And we need to learn that it's not being heightened, it's being yourself, and you don't know anyone to show your pronouns, your flag, or anything to be yourself, and that's okay.
0: If you had one thing to say to your younger self, what would you say? It'll be okay.
1: Um, It's going to be difficult, but it will be worth it. Being yourself is the most beautiful thing ever. Uh, Don't try to run away from that.
0: I hope this has given you some insight into non-binary identities and the challenges that non-binary people face. Thank you so much to Dana for taking time out of their day to speak with me. They were so knowledgeable about gender and identity and it was wonderful to have their perspective on these kinds of issues. Join me next time on the Pink Triangle podcast when I speak to Stephen McKell who lives in Scotland and identifies as asexual. As always, take care.